Hello, and welcome to the Living on a Mission podcast. We're excited to have you as we seek to learn, grow, and challenge each other to grow closer to the Lord. Be sure to follow and listen as we release a new episode every Thursday. Hello and welcome back to the Living on Mission podcast. I'm your host, Braden Ward, and today I'm really excited to introduce to you special guest, Mike Donnelly. Uh, Mike Donnelly is a spiritual life counselor, has been in my life for a year, and has now become really a friend. Uh, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, Braden. It's good to be with you. and um, May the Lord bless everyone who's listening to our podcast. Um, it's, I've been in the behavioral health field for decades um, I was the pastor of care and counseling at Bethany Bible Church from 2012 to 2020, and I now work in the community and um, come alongside churches, helping to give uh, counseling and pastoral time so that individuals don't fall through the cracks and the pastors have the support they need. Mm. Uh, Mike is, I have a lot of respect for Mike, and uh, someone who's walked with me for a little over a year now, um, weekly having conversations and, uh, he's watched me through even the last year, I feel like several different stages or progression or sanctification. And there's been times where, um, you know, Mike is not afraid to tell me how he feels or how things are going, which is a blessing. And also, uh, it's tough at times. Uh, so I remember Mike, uh, early on called me uh, Justin Bieber and I got a little offended, but Mike has been uh, a blessing in my life. Um, one of the things that uh, I realized in my life, um, and I did not think I had, was I really had a controlling behavior. Um, and I really thought, when I heard this, I thought, there's no way, I'm, I'm not a controlling person, I'm go with the flow. Uh, but really, there was controlling behavior there that, that led to um, some distrust in the Lord. Um, and my question, Mike, the first question is, in what ways... Can we help understand if that controlling behavior in our lives? Sure, Brayden. Um, the, the basic thing that we want to begin to look, like, look at is to untangle some of our assumptions about control. So there's times in which we are, have good control in our life, that self-control that comes from some of the disciplines, and mostly that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. So we want to be able to kind of tap into some of those ideas. And on the other side of it is we want to be able to understand that there's a difference between managing behaviors and controlling behaviors. Hmm. What I mean by that is that control is usually that place in a relationship where I am controlling because I need a certain outcome to happen. I need to feel safe, secure less anxious. I use these controlling behaviors because it benefits me. Management ideas in all the places of managing a family, managing relationships, that is a mutuality. It's good for both of us. We discipline our children. We have control over our children and we manage them so that we get a place in which we see the fruit of the spirit in their life and we get to be able to participate by encouraging and edifying and building one another up. Where it becomes difficult is in the relationships, interpersonal relationships, where an individual is trying to exert some force to have control to manipulate a situation to get their need met. 
rather than being beneficial to both parties. And this happens in marriages, uh, in lots of different places as well, but mostly in interpersonal relationships between men and women. And we all know that boy-girl stuff is really impossible unless we have Jesus in the middle. So that's sort of the area in which we'll look, Braden. Wow. And there's a lot to unpack there. Um, even the idea of when we think of control, I immediately think of a negative sense. But it doesn't have to be. No. But what does this negative control say about us as humans? Well historically the idea of control has been passed down through family dynamics cultural dynamics religiosity all of different ways and so what happens is is we begin to look at life as a problem that needs to be solved rather than a blessing from the lord that we get to relish in with him hmm. yeah I, I you know that that's something that i haven't thought about even myself because I thought, oh, if I just need to let go of control, let go of control, let go of control. But, you know, as I think about it, a lot of people, they, they tell us, um, you know, you need to take control of this situation. So some of that is true. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. We want to be able to make sure that we have control inside of our family. The way is in which we do that with children and siblings and is that we look for places in which because of the closeness that we have and the safety that we have with each other and the security and the assumption of positive intent, we're not really controlling. The closer I am to the Lord, the more obedient I am to him. Mm-hmm. The closer I am to my wife, the more obedient or the more leadership or the more sanctifying relationship occurs mm. because we're assuming positive intent. Mm. So this, this good control is assuming positive intents for the well-being of others, and it's really not rooted in selfishness. If, if And that's really difficult because all of us, because of sin, are selfish and self-centered. You know, the mm-hmm. joke in the Donnelly house is, I may not be much, but I am all I think about. <laughs> and one of the things we want to be able to do is when I say that, I have to go, okay, it's really true, and I really need to kind of step away from this. And I need to take on the idea of how does the Lord see this situation? Mm-hmm. How is the Spirit moving in us? How am I communicating? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we all have are cognitive distortions. Mm-hmm. There's at least 14 or 15 cognitive distortions that human beings wrestle with. The good news is we all have them. The bad news is is we all have them. Cognitive distortions can look like emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is one of the very first ones that comes about. If I feel something, I think it must be true. Hmm. And if I think it must be true and it's based on a feeling, it triggers off a response in me. What we want to be able to do is we want to take the thought captive to the obedience of Christ and discern is this emotion I'm feeling an emotion is based on what mm-hmm. so sometimes we in relationships will also use um, mind reading mind reading is where we enter into a conversation and we already think we know what the person is going to say because of experience and relationship and other things and as they begin to talk we're framing an answer we're not really hearing. 
and we're framing the answer to take control. Hmm. Not to participate, but to take control. Mind reading can happen when we walk into a church setting, an office setting, a business setting. We look around the room and we start to feel and we start to make assumptions of, well, I don't think that person is having a good day today or this is about that. And the reason I'm assessing everyone else is I'm looking for my own personal safety. Hmm. And personal safety is always a good and always a bad. And what I mean by good and bad, and I kind of wished I hadn't used those words, I'd rather look at it as expected and unexpected. I can expect from myself to make sure that I'm in a place around individuals, that I have an idea of the security of the group. Unexpected is when I'm in a group of people and there are some things that are going on that just don't seem to be what I was expecting from this interaction. Hmm. And so we withdraw a little bit. Hmm. One of the things that happens inside of those events is that we're thinking about a personal safety that is about many things, reputation, um, mostly reputation, and physical safety can come into play and relational safety is always in play, and that relational safety is, um, is this person infringing on a relationship I have? Are they leveraging something here? And we become extremely anxious, and these are all context-driven, and the context is always the place in which we have an expectation of how things should go, hmm rather than letting things just go. You know, Mike, as you're, as you're talking, I can see in my own life of just especially the you know, pre-assumed response that I would get or receive. Uh, and j- even as I self-reflect, which I think is very important as we're listening to Mr. Mike, you can reflect on your own uh, and think about, okay, you know, do I have some of these tendencies uh, and how can I make them good? And trusting in the Lord and giving control. Um, you know, I want to talk a, a little bit about attachment styles. Uh, as I know, there's several attachment styles. And as all of us are in relationships and with people, with either a significant other or, you know, whatever it may be, these attachment styles can be harmful. And I know that we hurt people because of anxious attachments, but also there's secure attachments. How do we start to, and I know this is a lot to unpack, but can you give us any wisdom on attachment styles? Well, if you've ever been with children and at picnics or at zoos or carnivals or anything, and there's a lot of balloons around and you can watch a a parent or a grandparent tie a balloon on a child's wrist. And there are some kids that immediately will run around like they're airplanes and the balloon's up above. There are the other type of child who grabs onto that ribbon that's already been tied onto there and they just stare at the rhythm ribbon. They don't even really look at the balloon. There is an anxious attachment there like I'm now responsible for this. I have to hold on tight. Then there's the one who may look at the balloon, walk around, keep knocking it into people, pulling it down, and there's a chaotic attachment. Mm. Not really sure what to do with it. Mm. 
And so a secure attachment style, like the child running with their arms open and the balloon just there, if the balloon ever comes undone and it flies into the air, you will hear the, oh, oh, that's, it looks so good flying up there. That's a secure attachment. Mm. They enjoyed it for the moment. They enjoyed it while they had it. They appreciated it. They appreciate it. They see it as a blessing. And not everything about them is in that balloon. Mm. With the child who has more of a fear and an anxiousness, they feel responsible to make sure this balloon stays safe and doesn't leave my arm because somebody gave it to me. And now now I'm in charge. And if the balloon ever gets lost on them, or if it was to pop, the chaotic or the anxious attachment immediately starts to think that, well, it broke because of me. Hmm. And when we start to think that things happen because of us, we begin to take responsibility in arenas that we don't necessarily need to. Hmm. And when we think about attachment styles, we want to think about, and there's a wonderful book, uh, Attached to God, that's written and it's about how we in our Christian walk have various stages various moments where we have these various different ways in which we attach to the Lord and it's interesting because the attachment style I have with God which comes up in my prayer life my study time my meditation and my service work all of that attachment comes out in what I do Rather than allowing the Lord to do, I'm taking control again. I want to be seen a certain way. Hmm. So we attach trying to please oftentimes not only the people, but also the Lord. Hmm. Truth be known, Braden, there's nothing we can do to change the way God sees us. Yeah. How he loves us. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. You know, what was interesting to me about what you said is, in my mind and oftentimes when I think about an anxious attachment I think it's because of the other person when really it's all about yourself and your your self-focus and James tells us clearly (laughs) the struggle is always within us and when we begin to really recognize that the first thing I need to be able to say to myself is why am I struggling inside of me Mm. not why am I struggling with you And what that does is it opens up the chance for us to take a look at the cognitive distortion. It's not so important to figure out what I'm thinking. It's more important to figure out how I'm thinking about something. So we have people who use filtering. They take all of the good things out of the picture and they look for the one bad thing. Hmm. And when they look at that bad thing, that's the thing they focus on. As we're told throughout scripture, put set your eyes on things that are good, on things that are heavenly. We cast our eyes to the hills where our hope is in the Lord because he will not let our foot slip. He will not sleep on us. Mm -hmm. He will not slumber on you, Israel. When we believe in that, even though our foot may be in this place where we're not moving and we have an anxiousness, our faith in him... As, as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5 uh, verse 6a, be humble, casting all of your fears onto the Lord because he cares for you. That place right there, the word you 
in this particular verse shows up other places because it's the singular declaration. Normally, in the Jewish history and everything, it's the communal. There's the we, there's the ours, there's the yours, which means to the group, or the you, to the group. In these particular places where the Greek definitely shows the singularity, the revolution of religion is happening right in those verses. It's the revolution that we have a personal relationship with Jesus, and he cares for you singular you know as you were talking i was thinking about second timothy chapter one verse seven it says you know god did not give you a spirit of fear but a power of self-control and even as we as i have thought of control is bad control is bad no he's actually given us a power to have self-control and to have self-control in uh and in starting to even fight uh this anxious attachment and i want to ask you uh, or these bad attachment styles how do you go from maybe you're sitting here and you're reflecting on some of the attachment styles that you've had how do you grow go from kind of self-reflecting on these things to start to desire and change to have secure attachments if if i am securely attached to the lord and i believe in the the song verse that says I am no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God and I remember that and indwell that and let that seep in I begin to not have secure attachment I begin to have secure attachment first and foremost with my father with the son with the Holy Spirit which then allows me to let other people be who they are one of the things that we see in Scripture around attachments is let's look at the relationship with Peter and Jesus and we'll go to that the moment of, 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 of absolute dismay for Peter and how Jesus handled that at the Last Supper Jesus tells Peter you are going to deny me three times before the cock crows three times and you when you think about that you go, well, wait a minute. Why didn't Jesus tell any of the other disciples to, like, watch out for Peter? Or why didn't Jesus say, one of you who's going to betray me tonight? And they go, well, is it me, Lord? And he doesn't answer any of their questions. He doesn't control the circumstance because there's a lesson in it. Hmm. Judas goes because Judas has to go. He hmm. has to betray Jesus. It's in Scripture. It's prophetic. He mm-hmm. has to die for our sins. This is the mechanism to put that in, 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 in to start. Mm. When Peter is sitting around the charcoal fire outside and he denies Jesus the third time, and Jesus, as Scripture says, Jesus and he see each other. Mm. They see each other. The heartache in Peter has to be unbelievable. Mm. So much so that when Jesus is looking for Peter, it's not to reprimand him, it is to let him see him again. When they meet on the beach and Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? He's not saying, well, you didn't show, you didn't prove it that night, you didn't prove it then. What he did was he rebuked and restored by letting Peter answer the question and take responsibility for what's happening now. Mm. Now we have the risen Jesus 
And now you want me to go and feed your sheep. Mm. And the beauty of that, Jesus didn't have to use control. He used, you know, he is perfect in every one of the virtues of man. And, And we have skin in heaven. Jesus is in heaven still as the perfect man. He weeps with us. And so when I know that the Lord is weeping with us, in Hebrews 4, 14 through 19, um, we, we see we have a high priest who intercedes on our behalf. Mm-hmm. He who is without sin sympathizes with us. That word sympathize there in the original Greek actually says co-suffers. Mm-hmm. He co-suffers with us to bring us before the throne of grace for help. Mm-hmm. That co-suffering is happening every day. Jesus sees what's going on in our world. He sees what goes on in our, in, 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 our, in our hearts, in our attachments with other people. He sees and he knows that because of sin, these are all the ways in which we struggle. But the closer I get to Jesus, the closer I allow his spirit to work, the closest I believe that he is who he says he is, my attachments with other people become less about them and more about Jesus. Mm. And no one does this perfectly, Brayden. Yeah. No one. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Corey, Corey Ten Moon, he, uh, she, she said this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, as you were talking about, as we grow in our longing and our trust in the Lord and we truly go through things that reveal the trust, I mean, we we start to grow in the ability to to lay down the bad control and have self control. Um, and I was even thinking about how you were saying Jesus walked with us, and and he he understands what we are going through. He suffered far more than any than any of us would ever suffer. Um, at the ultimate act of suffering on the cross, mm-hmm. but also uh, in Romans eight it says for the time of suffering but nothing compared to the glory of eternity and that is what we long for as believers um mike as we have gotten so much information honestly i'm just still processing it and everything um what would you say to the person that is in has been kind of in in a selfish mindset of a lot of anxious attachment or these attachment styles that we've mentioned that they they're with their partner and how do they begin to transform this obviously every relationship is different Mm -hmm. every relationship has their different things that have happened and whole stories what are some ways that they can start to obviously first trust the lord what are some practical ways practical ways is um i cannot transform any relationship unless the holy spirit is transforming me which means I have to make a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is intentional. When we think about intentionality, it's not just about praying. It's about really listening for the Lord's voice. In The Psalms are a beautiful place. In the Psalms of Ascent, 120, 121, 122, uh, all of those Psalms of Ascent are traveling music 
Those were, those were things that the pilgrims of Israel would say on their way to Jerusalem or on their way home. When you start to listen to them, knowing that they don't have a book you're reading out of, because literacy wasn't there, and no one could keep the Torah or the scrolls with them because it had to be in the, in the, in the synagogue, people would wander around with the, the marrow of the Lord and the Holy Spirit in them. We're full of a world of distractions. So practical things is to take away distractions. Mm. Distractions like social media, looking at our screen time, looking at ways in which we're comparing ourselves to mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. We begin to exercise control <clears throat> of the other when we're comparing other relationships to ours. Yeah. Those comparisons take away the beauty of the person we're with because we're thinking that they need to be something else. Mm. You know, Mike, I think uh, a lot of our listeners uh, tend to be in the 23 to 27 year old age range and social media has definitely been something that I've had to, you know, my social media is like a free advertisement for how you want everyone else to see you. And there can be a lot of comparison there. There can be a lot of uh, things that honestly, I feel down when I'm on social media because I'm scrolling. And I think, as you said, we have to step away from distractions. And there's a previous episode on the Living on Mission podcast with Kurt Sauter about silence and solitude. And I think if we take that distractions and we change it to meditate on the beauty and the glory of the Lord, it changes our mindset completely. And there's a verse in it's Psalms, um, it's one, 145. And it's, it says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. What if that was the mantra as believers, as we looked to the heavens, we declared his glory, even as we step outside and see the beauty of creation and his majesty, rather than an inward focus and a comparison focus. Um, Mike, it has been a, such a pleasure to be on here with you. Thank you so much uh, for well, just taking your time. Uh, Mike and I, uh, we, we, uh, we've, you made, made fun of each other in, <laughs> in a, lot of, a lot of different scenarios, and I just really appreciate his wisdom. I hope that you guys have gleaned a lot as well. Uh, Mike, uh, any last words that you have for us? Um, the, the, the thing that we want to be able to talk about with social media is notice that you're comparing your insides to somebody else's outsides. Mm. And when we're comparing our insides to other people's outsides, we can only become anxious. Mm. And always, I think, for all of us, even this conversation, uh, Braden calls it wisdom. Um, it, this is sinner to sinner. We, for the believer, we share our spirituality with the non-believer. We share our humanity and our walk with the Lord with the believer, letting them know where Jesus is working in us, with us, and through us. And we do it because that gives him the glory. We don't boast in us. Amen. Thank you, Braden. Uh, it's yes. been a pleasure. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Thank you guys for listening to Living on Mission podcast. We'll see you next time.